Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Talking Sense, a podcast with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist trained in family therapy, and every single week I answer one of your real-life questions. I like to start every week with a little check-in, just to position yourself in a place where you can start to listen to the things we're talking about. And today, all I want you to do is to think of one thing you're grateful for. Can you name it? Can you maybe say thank you for whatever it is or whomever it might be? And do know that the practice of gratitude is something you can embed in your everyday and it can be really helpful for our well-being just to notice that there are lots of good things around us. And now we can begin. Today's question is one that I think will resonate with many. It is about those times when we lose it with our children, when we shout or we escalate our own behavior in the face of challenges with our kids. So let's have a listen. Hi, Dr. Marta. Um, I have a question for you. I have a daughter who is four years old and I find myself in um, situations where she's um, very naughty and I then shout at her and so I would like to know how could I calm myself or control myself not to get get to this point and also because I'm scared that this will harm her in the future. I'm really grateful to you for sending in this question. I think it's a very vulnerable topic. There are so many messages out there in our society about what it means to be a good parent and shouting at our kids does not lie in that framework, does it? And yet, it is something that most of us do, and I'm going to include myself in this. And I know if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know me, you probably think, there's no way I shout out my kids. However, if you do know me and you're in my life in a personal sense, you will know that I am actually quite fiery and that I feel things very strongly and that my vocal tone does get loud and I do shout. And I actually think it is a cultural consequence. I'm not British, so there is a cultural element to some of my loudness, definitely. And it is also a social, emotional thing. And it's something that I think is important for us to recognize, both around anger and us getting shouty. So I just want you to notice for a moment the stories that you may have learnt or carry around shouting, not just at our kids, just in general. Who is allowed to have a loud, booming voice? When are those voices allowed or acceptable or normalised? This is important because one of the things that brings up a lot of guilt for adults, parents in particular, is this idea that we shout and it's not okay. 
Now, I'm not here to tell you that shouting at your kids is all right, but I do want you to know that shouting at your kids is something that is one, very common, and two, does not make you a bad parent. I don't believe that there is any parent out there who has never shouted at their child. Why? Because we're humans and we lose it sometimes. And by losing it, I mean we lose the ability to regulate our emotions sometimes. And yes, there are adults out there in the world who have very good regulation skills. They have learnt and their bodies learnt to be able to soothe in ways that allow them to shout a lot less. And it's also linked to temperament. So as a parent, notice, are you quite a fiery, passionate person anyway? Or are you kind of like quite calm and chilled and um, go around not reacting very strongly to most things? If you're quite calm and chilled, you're likely not to be a very shouty parent just naturally because that's your temperament. And if you're in the feisty category, which is definitely me, then you may notice that shouting becomes something that you're aware of can happen slightly more frequently unless you become conscious and aware. So I'm going to talk about anger and I'm going to talk about shouting and I'm going to talk about what you do as an adult. And throughout all of this, I really want you to remember that if you get loud, if you get shouty, whether it's at your kid, at your partner, whatever. I want you to know that it does not say anything about you as a human. It does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a bad parent, okay? It just says something about the needs that you may have unmet, and it might say something about the skills that you can begin to build. So firstly, to me, anger is an emotion that most of us have not learned to manage. We think of anger as a bad emotion. We often hold it, we suppress it, we try and like breathe or do soothing techniques to avoid it. And then eventually it explodes. And to me, that makes sense. Because actually for emotions, all emotions, but particularly anger, if we're not able to feel them and release them in a way that is healthy and appropriate, they actually just build up in us. And then they can either come out a little bit like slowly over time, little snippets of anger, which might look like snapping or irritability. And I often think of like the visual of like shaking a bottle of Coke and then trying not to let it explode. So what you do is just open the lid little by little. So you're releasing it softly or you unscrew it quickly and it just goes everywhere. Anger does a bit of that. It's either explosive or it does this little like trickle over time that can take a long time and eventually you often do explode anyway. And what it's doing in our bodies is saying something isn't okay right now. It might be that a boundary has been crossed or violated. It might be that somebody is overwhelming you or something is overwhelming you. So it's calling you out. It's saying, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't okay. It might be that something's built up over time, a little bit like drops of water in a cup, and then your cup starts to pour out because you're depleted. It's too much. And what anger is saying is, listen to me. I got something really important to say to you. Don't ignore me. Otherwise, what happens is it explodes. And the thing about anger is that it's not a bad emotion. It's an important one. It's a bit like a shield and it stops us from feeling more vulnerable 
things that are lying beneath. And our job is to look out for those feelings and get in touch with them so that we notice anger and that protective shield and we kind of go, oh yeah, right, okay, you're protecting me. What are you protecting me from? Let me just curiously think about that. And then we delve inside to notice what was going on in that moment. Is it an unmet need? Is it a more vulnerable feeling? Is something just not right in this environment? And therefore anger is protecting you? Now the problem is that in the moment, doing this work is impossible, okay? I'm gonna say near on impossible. Because if anger has grown too much, you're just going to be in a place where your brain is not able to think rationally. And that's just reality of our humanness, okay? So when the feeling is too overwhelming, you won't be able to do something about it. But to do this, you need to notice when it shows up. And then in a moment of calm, you need to sit down and really reflect on what has happened so that you can take this as a learning opportunity so that you can try and see what could I have done different in that moment? What can I learn from this? And that opens up some space for you to choose to respond to anger in a different way next time. So this begins with, firstly, accepting that anger is not a bad emotion, that you don't need to be scared of it, that you can get to know it and understand your story with anger, and two, learning about your triggers. Now, many people avoid triggers because when something makes us feel bad, we just try and avoid it as much as we can. And this may work for a while as a short-term strategy. It's actually a very efficient short-term coping strategy. But when there are triggers that are constant and they repeat themselves and you do not spend the time to really think about what is going on and what you can be doing differently, then you're not building any tools to work through it. And one of the triggers that is the greatest can be our children, their behavior, the things that they do or don't do. And those things often repeat why? Because children are still learning and they constantly will do and redo behaviors until they learn to do better. This isn't because they're winding us up. This isn't because they're trying to manipulate us. They actually haven't got the emotional or cognitive capacity to do those skills of saying, I'm going to do this thing because I know it really winds up my parent or I'm going to do this thing to manipulate them. Children can't do that, but they do behave the best way they know how until they learn something better. And it's kind of a similar thing to us. We respond to anger the way we know how until we pause, stop, and choose to do something different. So when you learn to pay attention to triggers and you learn from them, you can start to do two things differently. One, preempt that something might trigger you so that you know, okay, this thing is gonna come up. What do I need to do for me in that moment? And two, it allows you to build a small toolkit of ideas that you can use when necessary. And so I'm gonna walk you through this. And you may wanna grab a notepad or you may want to just hold some of these ideas in your mind. I would suggest that writing them down and going through this individually yourself can be so helpful. And I'm saying this both from the perspective of a professional um, working with parents and children, where anger is one of our biggest topics in sessions, but also as a human, a mother, a parent, who also 
has to manage anger differently from how I learned to manage it as a child. So I want to share this with you because I hopefully these questions are useful, but I can't give you the answers. You're the one who holds the answers to these ideas. So here are a couple of questions for you to think about and make sense of the triggers that happen in the moment. So thinking about an event that has brought out shoutiness or anger in you. Think, what is the story that is coming up for you in that moment? How did your parents handle it when you got angry or upset? How did they respond to your anger? When did you get yelled or perhaps punished? Was it when you protested? Was it when you didn't listen to something? When was it? Maybe write a small list of those things. And how did it make you feel in those moments when you got yelled at? And what you were trying to communicate might have been something important to you. And now let's have a think with your child or your children. Think about what might be getting replayed in these moments. Is anger a feeling that feels like it takes control and you have no power over it? Do you feel like nobody listens to you unless you get really loud? Do you feel really tired or depleted energetically? Or is it that you just feel overwhelmed with emotion and it's like a switch that you cannot stop? Is it a sensory overwhelm of something? Like you physically cannot stand the noise when your child is yelling or squealing or banging? Or is it something else sensory, like lots of visual movement or lots of people in one place? What is it? Can you notice your sensory triggers, your emotional triggers? Can you notice the things where you think, I have no control of this? These things are really key in order for you to learn. And I want you to know that none of your answers are wrong. Whatever comes up for you is right and it's important. There are important parts of information about who you are, what your needs are, and the stories that you might be holding around shouting and anger and how your needs can or cannot be met. So before you meet your needs, you need to make sense of what they are and where they're coming from. So do think about this. It's an exercise in self-care and it's also, I think what I would call kind of like radical self-love to be able to say, I accept this anger that shows up in me and I will learn to make sense of it so I can make more conscious choices and not feel so out of control. This will not just happen immediately, quickly, but I promise that if you trust the process, it will change over time and repetitions with both your acceptance and understanding of your snappy loudness and the toolkit that you can develop next, which is what I'm going to talk about now. So when we try and focus on finding a different way of releasing anger that keeps us and our children safe, what we're doing is developing a set of tools to say, these are the things that I'm going to try and do. And this is conscious choices. And absolutely, I cannot promise that you're going to stay calm through this, okay? We need to release that expectation 
here and now. There's going to be situations where you cannot stay calm. So it's not about getting perfectly calm and soothed and mindful and like, I sometimes feel like parents are saying, how can I stay super chilled when these things are happening around me? And I really want to say you can't. It matters that you don't because there's something important happening in these moments that we need to understand. And the exit doesn't have to be that you shout or yell at your kid. It doesn't have to be that you throw your anger at them. It can be that you learn, okay, I need something in this moment and I'm going to give that to myself because we can't expect our children to do it, okay? We can't control their behavior. We can't control what they do. This is a fact. The only thing we can control is ourselves. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. To develop your toolkit, you need to understand anger a little bit better for yourself. And this is really unique to you. So think about answering these questions. When do you first notice anger showing up? Where in your body does it show up? Is it in your chest? Is it in your hands? Is it in your throat? Is it in your mind? Do you start to hear angry stories in your head? And what can you say in that moment that helps you slow down your reaction to anger? This isn't about soothing or calming you, okay? It's about a pause, a slowing down. You know, one of the things that I do sometimes to myself, and it might sound a bit weird, but I'm going to share it here as an invitation in case it's useful, is that I imagine I've got a remote control, like for the TV, and I slow it down. So this is about taking a bit more time before you react. And that might sound a little bit like, okay, I feel you anger. I want you to talk to it. Okay, if that feels comfortable. If not, you can say, okay, I'm starting to feel angry. You can take either a third person or a first person approach, whatever fits for you. And name the sensation in your body. I want you to connect with what's happening in your body because that will give you a sense of control. Anger is not going to take over you you can make a choice. So that might sound like, and I'm gonna talk about me, my hands have turned into fists. I can feel tension in the upper part of my body. My arms are feeling really heavy. Just that. I see you, anger, and I'm noticing you here, in my hands, in my tension, in my body. If you feel able to, this might not happen straight away, but if you do, you can say this out loud. And I would say this can also be part of a small release, a bit like opening up the Coke bottle. It's a little bit like letting a tiny bit of that fizz out. Because when you say it out loud, you also make yourself accountable to what you're going to do next. 
And this isn't about releasing anger on your child. It's about naming the experience you're getting. So you do need to own this. And you might not sound cool and calm, okay? It might not sound like, okay, right now, I'm feeling angry in my body. I think, you know, if you're one of those people who is able to stay cool as a cucumber, you might get that out of you. That's not how it sounds for me. It sounds a bit more like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel really angry right now. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you own it and your words are not, you are starting to make me feel angry right now because that is shaming to a child. But if you own it, this is my feeling. I'm feeling it in my body. There is no shame in this. You are naming your experience. You are allowed to do that. In fact, I invite you to do that. You are modeling something really important to your child. And then you might need to name your need, which might be, I need a moment. I'm going to be back. Yep, I'm going to be back to help you, but I can't help you right now. I need a moment. You go. And what do you do next? Whatever you need. Of course, this is within reason, okay? You can't go off for a massive run or, you know, get in the car and leg it because it's all too much for you. And I get it. If that goes through your mind, I get it. That sense of wanting to just run away for a bit. But instead, I want you to take some space for a bit. One of the things that you can do is a breathing exercise to kind of soothe your parasympathetic nervous system. But sometimes... Some people can't access this straight away because the angry energy in their bodies is just too big. So if that's the case, and I'm going to give you a breathing exercise in a second, but if that's the case, you might need to just shake it off. And it can look like stomping or running up the stairs or shaking it off. And like, you can also say things to anger like, go away. I know you're trying to protect me, but right now this isn't helping. So just go. Okay. And you may need to move your body a little bit. For some people that just means repositioning, which can be really effective, which means rather than being upright, get yourself in a lying down position. It helps physiologically. It switches our bodies around. So our emotions are able to flow. And in terms of breathing, you can breathe in for a count of three through your nose and breathe out through a count of eight through your mouth. This is a really effective way of slowing down your body, soothing your body. And do see this not as an avoidance, but as a way of regaining some calm so that you can go back and be more useful to your child. And this should only be a few minutes. It doesn't usually take longer than that for you to reposition, often just leaving the room, being in a different space makes you just get some perspective on what is going on. And if you've already practiced that exercise that looks at your triggers, you're going to be much more able to recognize that where this anger is coming from, why it's there in this moment, recognize your need, and then be able to shift your thinking into what's more useful for my child. Your child may still be doing that annoying behavior. And with the space that you've had, you will have been able to problem solve a little bit so you can do something different. And I want to invite you to think of collaboration. Rather than using your words, if you need to, you can set a boundary and you can collaborate, which may sound like, okay, you love banging, but it's enough for today. And you remove the object of the banging. It's hurting my ears, darling. Okay, I can't let you bang anymore. They might protest. 
They might not be happy about what you've just what's just happened. And guess what? That's totally in their right to do. They're allowed to be annoyed that they were having a great time doing something that was triggering you. And it's okay for you to say, no, enough. This is a relationship that we build with our children. Our children need to know that there are limits as well to the things that we can tolerate. But if you've calmed yourself down enough, you're gonna be able to tolerate the protest better. So rather than shouting at them or having a go at them, you might be able to say, that's okay, you can be angry with me, darling, but I really can't take the banging anymore. Now, plan for the future. This is really important. So many people just do the things that I've said, which by the way is amazing if you've got to that point. But planning for the future is key. If you want to reduce the times when you go into shouty mode, it isn't about avoiding these experiences or letting them stop. Because you might not. You have no control over your child's behavior. What you can do is make a plan to ensure that you have your needs met before the escalation of anger happens. So three things for you to consider. One, schedule in some breaks so that you can take some space. This isn't just from your children. It's also from your stress of your everyday things that you might do, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. You need to set boundaries to take a bit of space, okay? It might mean go for a walk, make yourself a drink, drink it in peace for a few minutes, text, call a friend, connect with somebody. You know, once upon a time when lots and lots of people used to smoke, taking a break at work was about going outside to smoke for a few minutes. Now, I'm not going to advocate smoking because it wasn't the smoking that helped people relax. It wasn't. It was the breathing space believe it or not, that sounds ironic, but it was the space away from their desk. It was a social space to talk to someone else about something different. It's a brain and body break. And guess what? You can do this too without smoking. You can go for a break and do something that encourages you to kind of recharge. And yes, you need to have this scheduled in. Don't wait until your bucket is so full that you're going to unleash it on your kid or on your partner or even on yourself. Do this preemptively. It's really, really important. Two, I want you to notice the times of day where recharging is going to be most useful. So I'll give you my personal example. It's before bedtime. It feels really busy Um, in the evenings and just before the bedtime routine when it's my turn to put my child down I need a break and I take it five to ten minutes of my own sometimes it's just lying down with even like an eye mask over my eyes just kind of shutting out the world relaxing breathing chilling out for a moment daydreaming I set an alarm I give myself ten minutes and often that's enough It doesn't make bedtime routines perfect by any means, but it does give me that extra little boost of energy that allows me to offer my child a different position when I'm with them. So my energy with my child is not angry, tired, depleted. It comes from a place of, I've had a rest and now I can give you a little bit more. And three, I want you to seek support from those that are around you when you can. So much about anger and shouting is about reaching the limit of our capacity. Use communication 
to get your needs met. If you have a partner, you may need to sit down together and think about your trigger points. Think about times when you really need to meet each other in a place of support. Learn to develop some signs, some signals between you as a couple that say, hey, I see you. I know you're struggling. You're not bad. I'm here to support you. It might be a word, it might be a gesture, it might be gentle touch, but you need to do this so that in those moments when the triggers are showing up, if you have someone around, they're there to say to you, hey, you're not a bad parent, you're just struggling and I'm here to help you if you need a moment to take a breather and then come back. And finally, I don't want you to think that you're going to get this right all the time, by all means, You need to lean into repair to heal yourself and the relationship you have with your child. You need to let go of the guilt of being a shouty parent sometimes and you need to give yourself a story with perspective. What that means is it's not about saying to yourself, I shouted because I'm just a really bad parent. No, it's more about saying something like, I shouted because I'm so tired and I really needed to take a break sooner. It's no one's fault. I can learn from this. With your child, repair meaningfully often happens when things are calm. Many people think that what has to happen is that you repair there and then and you heal straight away. But sometimes it's not going to happen. Perhaps your child is scared or they're upset by your shouting and you need to accept that of course your behavior has a consequence too. So you need to give your child some space and some time. So at first, perhaps the little kind of bit of repair you can do is just to say, I'm really sorry I shouted and you're allowed to be upset with me or scared of me or angry with me. I get it. We're going to talk about this another time do have another time, okay? Come back, revisit your story. And when you revisit it, it sounds like an invitation to talk. So it may sound something like, I can't stop thinking about the other day when I shouted at you. I'm really sorry, I know it was scary. It's not okay. And I want you to know that it is not your fault. My anger is mine and I'm going to work on it. And I'm so going to try not to do this again with you because it's so unfair. That's it. That's repairing with your child. Allow them to feel. Allow them to say, I don't like it. You, I don't like it when you become scary or I don't like it when you shout at me. Don't bring in the but. Don't bring in the, yes, but you don't listen to me or yes, but what you were doing was really annoying. Accept how they feel. This is about repair. Repair is not about criticism or blaming the other for something. It's about owning your own behavior. And yes, of course, you can make your children accountable for the things that they've done. Of course you can. But do make sure that you repair meaningfully first. And then you can speak to your child about the situation. So that bit might sound more like, can we actually talk about what happened though? When you were banging around and I'd asked you to stop. And I know you were having so much fun, so you just didn't want to stop. But I also felt like you were not listening to me. So what can we do differently next time? When I want you to stop doing something that you want to keep doing, what do you think you and I can do different. If your child is old enough, 
Yes, I want you to pose them that question because problem solving together is really important. It shows collaboration. It shows that your relationship is bi-directional and this is important for your child. If your child is a little bit smaller, then it might sound different. You can still ask the question, but you know it's going to be rhetorical. You know your child is going to answer, I don't know. And you might say, okay, well, maybe next time, I'm going to try and notice my anger so that I don't let it out on you. I definitely, I'm going to work on that. And I wonder if maybe what you can do is show me that you heard me, even if you don't want to stop doing something. Can you just look at me and say, yep, but no, mummy. And then I know you've heard me. So the important thing here is that you're building communication with each other. And of course, your child might still be doing that behavior. That's really annoying. And it's when you get heard that you might be able to say, okay, well, my child needs help to stop. So in that case, I'm going to move over and remove this item. And if you notice your anger, you have now told you what to do. Name it, take a pause, slow it down, go and release it safely, not out on your child. And finally, I want to say, if you notice that anger is a daily challenge, that you are shouting at your child frequently every single day, I want you to know that it really does not make you a bad person and you may need some extra support. Learning how to manage anger is a really big skill and it begins in our childhood. And when we haven't had this toolkit during most of our lifetime, it's going to take time and practice. And one of the things that can really help you to do this is being in a relationship with another who can offer you a safe, non-judgmental space to process what happens to you in those moments where anger flares up. Sometimes shoutiness can come from a place of trauma. Sometimes shoutiness comes from a place of physical changes such as hormonal imbalances. Sometimes it can come from a place of low mood, depression, grief, post-traumatic stress symptoms. All these things are important to understand and they don't define you as a person. You can seek support without feeling like a failure as a parent or as a human. So I really want you to know that accessing this kind of support might be really valuable and it is not a sign of weakness. And we're coming to the end. And I like to give you a little mantra to hold you for the rest of the day. And given our conversation today, my mantra to you is, in every moment, I have a choice. I do warmly invite you to come and join my community on Instagram if you're not there already. It's Dr. Marta Psychologist. And if you want to stay connected, you can also sign up to my newsletter on my website, drmartapsychologist.com. I wish you a peaceful week and I look forward to another Talking Sense with you next Monday. Until then, see you soon.